Hello and welcome to the Chinksy Sports presents the Premier League show powered by Chinksy Media on YouTube. Check us out for those of you listening to us on streaming avenues such as Spotify, Apple Music, AR. We are back again. This podcast is designed to be background noise whilst you complete your day-to-day tasks. So don't hesitate to run that bath, boil that kettle or plug that hoover in. Before you do that though, YouTube viewers take a moment to quickly press that like button, subscribe, then drop a comment. And if you're listening from Spotify, search us up on YouTube by typing in Chinksy Media, Charlie Hotel India November Kilo, Kilo Sierra Echo Yankee Media and toggle to the podcast section. In fact, toggle to the video section. Feel free to catch up on past episodes once again. This is episode 28. Now, without any further ado, I just want to congratulate Liverpool for winning the Carabao Cup for a record, extending 10th time. And speaking of Liverpool, that was our first fixture of the last game week. So uh, Liverpool took on Luton Town at Anfield. That game ended 4-1 to the Reds. When Luton took the lead against the run of play, I felt that they'd scored far too early to realistically resist the wave of inevitable attacks that will inevitably come their way in the second half. Well, it's Anfield after all. Leading 1-0 at half-time through Chiodozi Ogbene, Luton had their eyes on pulling off the mother of all shocks against the side unbeaten at home all season. Uh, I always felt that Liverpool would turn it round and win. And when Reds captain Virgil van Dijk headed in from a corner, Dutch forward Cody Gakpo headed in from a cross. Just two minutes later, the result was ominous. Further goals from Luis Diaz and boyhood Liverpool fan Harvey Elliott, who scored in added time on his 100th Liverpool appearance, aged just 20 years old. Added gloss to what culminated in a routine win for Liverpool. So Liverpool's victory last Tuesday saw them go five points clear at the top of the Premier League. Uh, boom, 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 boom. Crystal Palace against Burnley, 3-0. The fact that it took Crystal Palace almost 70 minutes to break down a resolute Claret side who were down to 10 men since the 35th minute after Josh Brownhill saw red in more ways than one was surprising. Once Palace's Chris Richards put his side ahead, the floodgates opened for the likes of Jordan Ayew and Jean-Philippe Mateta to take full advantage with the young Brazilian winger Matthias Francher terrorising what was an ailing, tiring Burnley defence. I don't think there's any doubt that Burnley are going down and the players know it as well. They're not stupid, but I'm going to call it now. I think Vincent Company will continue, sorry, won't continue at Burnley next season. I personally think he'll step down or he'll come to a mutual agreement with the club and sever ties. We shall see. Okay, the game between Aston Villa. So yeah, Palace won that 3-0 against Burnley. The game between Aston Villa and Nottingham Forest ended 4-2 to the Villains. Douglas Louise, who I personally generally 
Genoa Winley, believe is Villa's best player, bagged himself a brace as Villa withstood a spirited fight back from Midlands rivals, from their Midlands rivals, to tighten their grip on a much coveted fourth place. That being said, though, Ollie Watkins, notwithstanding, has been Aston Villa's player of the season. He opened the scoring for Unai Emery's side after Leon Bailey assist after good skill on the right-hand flank for Villa with his 14th Premier League goal of the season and 19th overall. Well, that was before a Douglas Luiz brace made the score 3-0 after just 40 minutes. Things threatened to get ugly. Real ugly. However... A first-half added time consolation for Musa Niakate gave Forrest hope and something to build on going into the second half. Nuno Espirito Santé's Forrest are clearly becoming specialists in scoring injury time stroke added time goals. They managed to beat West Ham solely on this with goals in first and second half added time. Just three minutes into the second half, Half-time substitute, the former Liverpool man, Divock Origi of Kenyan origin, played a defence-splitting pass to Morgan Gibbs-White, who unceremoniously and unapologetically buried the ball past Argentine Emiliano Martinez. 3-2 and game on. However, once Ollie Watkins set up Leon Bailey to make it 4-2, the wind was well and truly taken out of Nottingham Forest cells for good this time as the game ended 4-2. Right, the game at Old Trafford between Manchester United and Fulham ended 2-1 to Fulham. As the Nigerian duo Calvin Bassi and Alexander Iwobi condemned Manchester United to the 10th league defeat of the season. Bassi opened the scoring in the 65th minute after persistent Fulham pressure told after a corner from former Manchester United midfielder Andreas Pereira fell to Bassi, he was given two bites at the cherry before hammering home with his weaker right foot from close range. When Harry Maguire turned home a drilled Bruno Fernandes effort, which had been parried out by Fulham goalkeeper Bernd Leno, you would have been forgiven for thinking that Manchester United had nicked another undeserved point. However... Once second-half substitute Adama Traore outpaced Harry Maguire and set up former Arsenal man and nephew of Nigeria legend JJ Okocha, Alex Iwobi. Iwobi made sure he wrote his name in history books, securing the cottages of famous win at Old Trafford. Now listen to this. Securing their first win against Manchester United in over 15 years, since 2009, and... The first win at Old Trafford since October 2003, over 20 years ago. I believe Louis Sahal scored in that game and United bought him off the back of that performance. Okay, following that was at the Amex Stadium between Brighton, Hove Albion and Everton. That ended one apiece in a match that came to life in the last 20 minutes or so, give or take. Brighton maintained their impressive home form this season by salvaging a late draw against an Everton side battling tooth and nail to avoid the drop. After Jared Bramford's sensational left-footed Erling Haaland-like strike, big up Haaland, I think he's the cover-up for this week, uh, along with Kevin De Bruyne, 
sailed into the roof of the net. It looked as if the Toffees were heading for their first Premier League win of 2024. With former Chelsea midfielder Billy Gilmore seeing red after a reckless challenge on Amadou Onana. With just 10 minutes remaining, it looked as though Everton would hang on. However, when Brighton's underrated jack-of-all-trades veteran German Pascal Grosch turned Everton striker Beto inside out and whipped in a delightful cross, Captain Lewis Dunk obliged and handed in a tremendous header to snatch a dramatic point from the jaws of despair. So Brighton secured themselves a point despite having 10 men with 10 minutes to go. <coughs> okay, the game between Bournemouth and Manchester City, if I'm not wrong, was that a 5.30 kickoff? Um, ended 1-0 to the Citizens. A Phil Foden strike after Erling Haaland's shot was parried by Neto was enough for Manchester City to close the gap on Liverpool to remain on course for an unprecedented consecutive treble winning season, which would make them definitely and statistically the greatest team of all time. Bournemouth largely dominated and created more of the chances, but City, who had already played on Tuesday, held out for a vital three points to secure, listen to this, their 15th consecutive victory against the Cherries in all competitions. Now that is what you call domination. Okay, the 8 o'clock Saturday night football was at the Emirates between Arsenal and Newcastle United. That ended 4-1 to the home side. Under the lights, Arsenal took full advantage of yet another deplorable performance from Newcastle United by decimating the Magpies with consumer ease. Arsenal definitely had revenge on the menu and served up what turned out to be a real treat after securing their sixth consecutive Premier League victory to keep them within touching distance of the top two, Liverpool and Manchester City. Gabriel's header from Bukayo Saka corner came off of Sven Botman's knee to put the Gunners one up with Kai Havertz adding to that shortly after as the Gunners flew out the traps like greyhounds and went into the break two up. In the second half, two more quick-fire goals from Bukayo Saka who scored in his fifth consecutive Premier League match and Jakub Kivio, who seems to be growing into his role more and more, but it'll be interesting to see if he does maintain his place with the likes of Alexander Zinchenko and Takahiro Tomiyasu and Julian Timber, all close to full fitness. It'll be interesting to see if he maintains his place. Anyway, so... Yeah, they put Arsenal into an unassailable 4-0 lead and a late consolation goal from former Arsenal trainee midfielder Joe Willock did little to dampen the jubilant mood at the Emirates. So Arsenal won 4-1 and closed the gap on the top two to two and one point respectively. Okay, Sunday only had one solitary game and that was between Wolves and Sheffield United rooted to the bottom of the league. A 30th minute Pablo Sarabia header was all that was needed to give Wolves their third win in the last four games and maintain their push towards a European berth. Defeat against Wolves means that bottom of the table Blades have now lost four of their last five league games. Okay, 
Monday night football at the Olympic Stadium between West Ham United and Brentford ended 4-2 to the home side. West Ham's former hole forward Jared Bowen has reveled in a false number nine position this season. Although the goals had dried up recently, coinciding with Lucas Paquetá's injury, but not on Monday night. The forward was back to his delightful best. I actually think that this hat-trick will secure his place in the next England squad when Gareth Southgate announces it later on this month. After scoring two goals in the opening seven minutes uh, to put the Hammers 2-0 up, Bowen had essentially over 90 minutes to score his, to secure his hat-trick. After Neil Morpai halved the deficit just six minutes later on the 13th minute, that made it 2-1. However, later on into the second half, Mohamed Kudos dug out a cross from the right-hand side, which Bowen obliged, headed in for the match ball, making it 3-1. Further goals from Emerson Palmieri, who scored what probably will end up the goal of the month with a thunderous rocket straight into the postage stamp top corner. Made it 4-1, but uh, Johan Visser, late consolation, saw the match end 4-2 to West Ham United and arrest their horrendous recent run of form, which saw them go winless since last December. Okay, so that was last weekend's fixtures. We had nine fixtures last week. Um, in terms of my predictions, last week was my best week yet in terms of the predictions. I managed to get seven out of nine. Check in the community tab, you'll see the evidence there. Um, I managed to get seven out of nine with the one correct score being the draw between Brighton and Everton, which I predicted to be 1-1. The two results that let me down were Fulham shock win against Manchester United. A clairvoyant would have struggled with that. But I did take a punt on Brentford going to West Ham and winning. However, West Ham won 4-2. I got the rest right. Anyway, this week sees us back with a full fixture list of 10. So hopefully I can replicate or even top last week's exploits. Right, the first game of this week is at St. James's Park as Newcastle take on the Wolves in a 3 o'clock kickoff. This makes for an intriguing game between two evenly matched sides. Newcastle no doubt have the better players, but Wolverhampton Wanderers are having a phenomenal season which has seen them reach the lofty heights of ninth place, one place ahead of their opponents as the race for Europa League stroke Europa Conference League position hot up. In addition, they're a home win against Coventry away from reaching the FA Cup semi-finals at Wembley. Gary O'Neill for manager of the year. Why not? Uh, what I just mentioned about Wolves also applies to the Magpies, except that Newcastle were given the mother of all tasks in the FA Cup after they were drawn away to Manchester City in the quarterfinals. Newcastle fans also probably view a seventh-placed Europa League stroke Europa Conference League finish <coughs> as an underwhelming season, and I'm certain that they'd prefer to win silverware in the FA Cup all in all, I believe that this is going to be a competitive game in which I'm just edging towards Newcastle to win as 2-1. Okay, in the game between Tottenham Hotspur and Crystal Palace, Ange Postacoglu's Tottenham side take on new manager bounce Boyd Palace side on the back of a disappointing defeat at home to Wolves last weekend. 
Before that, they'd actually been unbeaten in five league games and they'll be looking to get back to winning ways promptly. Palace, currently 13th in the league, seem to have gotten over their perennial mid-table slump, which sees them flirt with relegation before a mid-season managerial change sees them soar up the table to upper mid-table where they're currently situated in 13th. But all in all, I expect Spurs to come out on top of this one and win 3-1. Right, the game between Nottingham Forest and Liverpool, I'm going to have my eye on this one. Nottingham Forest perilously poised in 17th position, just above the drop zone, take on a Liverpool side besieged and decimated by injuries. Although the youngsters that they have coming through look to be more than capable of holding the fort. People like Kumas and there's a lot of them. Connor Bradley, I can go on. Um, Dan's. Good young players. They probably arguably have the best youth system in the country at this moment in time. Liverpool, who had last week lifted the first piece of silverware of the season, dispatched high-flying Southampton 3-0 at Hanfield in the FA Cup fifth round with consummate ease. Forrest, on the other hand, crashed out to Manchester United in dramatic circumstances after a late Casemiro header. They'll be worried about relegation, though, as the threat of a points deduction remains. Their recent form is also a worry as they've only picked up one league win in their last six against the West Ham side struggling for form. I can't look beyond the dominant and destructive 4-1 away win for Liverpool, who will still be without Mohamed Salah for this one. Okay, the game between Brentford and Chelsea, a West London derby, sees Brentford, who will be smelling blood and vulnerability in a Chelsea side who missed the opportunity to arrest their supposed Wembley hoodoo against the Liverpool side, seemingly there for the taking. So that's six finals, consecutive finals that Chelsea have lost. They'll see this as an opportunity to extend their five-point buffer over Luton Town, who kick off at 5.30, Brentford that is. Maurizio Pochettino's side dubbed the billion-pound bottle jobs by Gary Neville. Um, look like they're on a hide into nothing and the best that Chelsea could hope for this season is squeezing into the Europa Conference League in seventh position and winning the FA Cup. But neither of those targets seem realistic at this stage. I think that Ivan Toni will cause the likes of Axel de Sassi, who's been Chelsea's best defender this season, and Levi Colwell all kinds of problems. I've gone for a 1-1 draw, couldn't call it. Um, wouldn't be surprised if Brentford won, wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea won it 2-1, but I've, all in all, I've gone for a draw. Everton against West Ham United. Everton galvanised by having their 10-point deduction reduced to six. I've only lost once in their last six league games, but that was to Manchester United, Manchester City away. However, Funnily enough, they have drawn all of the five other games in that run of fixtures. West Ham, struggling for form, uh, managed to win their first game in nine matches dating back to last December after three consecutive scoreless league defeats. Having spent a large chunk of the season in sixth, they could end the weekend in 10th position, which wouldn't be a good preparation for their Europa League clash against Freiburg, who were also in their group earlier on in the season. They actually drew Bayern Munich 2-2 yesterday evening. 
I thought this one would be a draw, but after a last-minute change of heart, I've gone for a narrow 2-1 win for Everton. So, yeah, Everton to win that 2-1 against West Ham. Uh, Fulham against Brighton. Last week, I flagged up Brighton's inconsistency, which has not seen them win two games in a row in the league since September. When I saw that remarkable stat, I was surprised to see them situated in seventh place. Fulham similarly struggle for consistency and haven't won back-to-back -back Premier League games since December. They have proven um, to be a tough nut to crack on one or two occasions, though, and hence last week they managed to go to Old Trafford and win. They've also beaten Arsenal, given Liverpool some competitive games. Um, yeah, they, exhi they exhibited what they're capable of last week with a tremendous performance and well-deserved victory against United. Um, I think it makes for a decent game of football, all in all, but for me, it has stalemate written all over it. What a piece. Okay, 5.30 kickoff between <coughs> Luton Town and Aston Villa. Luton are looking to arrest a horrendous run of results which has seen them go five games without a win, losing the last four games in all competitions, including a home defeat to bottom side Sheffield United as they plummet into the bottom three. Currently four points adrift from safety at the time of recording. Aston Villa, conversely, currently occupy fourth position and have won their last two games. We want to win this one as they prepare to face Ajax Amsterdam on Thursday in Amsterdam in the Europa Conference League, a competition which they're expected to win. And also, they have Tottenham next Sunday, which is a pivotal game in the race for top four stroke five for the final Champions League berth. In this one, I can't look beyond the Villa win and I've gone for a 3-1 away win to Aston Villa. Okay, the game between Burnley and Bournemouth, the two Bs, a match... Um, between two sides that are struggling for form, sees a Burnley side 11 points adrift of safety, having lost their last three games, conceding 11 goals in the process, and haven't won since the 23rd of December, take on a Bournemouth side who haven't won a league game since Boxing Day last year, having lost their last two games without scoring. Bournemouth striker Dominic Solanke is a doubt for this match, will be hoping to pass a fitness test, giving him the opportunity to add to his 14 Premier League goals as he remains a wild card for the England 2024 Euro squad. I don't think he'll make it, but he'll probably make the squad for the friendlies coming up. To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if he was in the squad for today, but I'm hearing he might miss it. I think Bournemouth get back to winning ways in this one and I've gone 3-0 to the Cherries. Right, Manchester City against Manchester United in the big derby tomorrow. Uh, the Manchester derby sees double treble chasers Manchester City pitted up against a Manchester United side who have lost 10 league games already this season with 12 remaining. City are unbeaten in 15 and have won a whopping 14 of those fixtures with no draws. Oh no, with one draw. They'll be expected to continue a winning streak against 10 Hogs United and extend that to three games. And in addition, in the last eight fixtures between these two sides, 
City have won six and United have won just twice. With Erling Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne's dove dovetailing to such devastate, ugh, devastating effect on Monday, I can't look beyond the comprehensive 3-0 home win for Pep Guardiola's Manchester City side. Okay, the last fixture of this game week is Monday Night Football to round off the weekend's fixture list. Sees the league's most informed side, Arsenal, who have won six on a trot, take on an ailing Blades outfit. A blunt Blades outfit, if you like. This match feels like a top v bottom type thing, but Arsenal are third. Sheffield United are bottom, registering just three league wins all season, but have lost their last three home games, conceding five goals in each of those defeats. Arsenal frighteningly, frighteningly, that's a word, have scored two or more goals in seven consecutive halves of football, something which is unprecedented. Well, now no longer unprecedented. Um, and I feel that if they do score early and get a couple of goals to the good, the scoreline could get really out of hand and could end up more than a 4-0 Arsenal win, which I have predicted so you know what to do guys we are um we're homing in on the next milestone for the channel you know we're on a certain amount of subscribers now we're pushing forward for the targets we're trying to get there anyway don't forget to like comment share subscribe and and check us out on spotify we are now on spotify and apple podcasts and we'll be back next week Next Saturday. Bow!